Hello and welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast 161. I'm your host, Brian. Joining me this evening, Mac. And I am preparing all of the all of the listeners out there for the worship of the god Sithrak, an unkind an insane god for an unjust world. And the dumbass himself. I'm here to squirtle all over your jigglypuff. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, now I'm not feeling comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and my job here is done. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that aside, how's everybody doing? Doing okay. Pretty good. All right. Well, we're settling here in Texas. Enjoy it. I think the word you were searching for desperately is, we're going to hang down here and, and whittle a spell. Whittle a spell. Once again, though, you said it too quickly. Nobody's going to understand it if you speak that quickly. Yeah. I know. You know, I, I was I was actually thinking um, I was thinking yesterday that one of the funniest things you could teach a bird to say is to respond to anybody who makes bird noises at them with the words "Your accent is terrible." Hey Mac. <laughs> hey Mac. Before we go any further, can you actually turn your bit? You can do that from your side, Mister. Uh, I but can't. Sure, yeah. I can't do that without also adjusting dumbass's mic, which is really low. Yours is really hot. And- How's that? Uh, a little bit more. That? Okay, we'll go with that. That's better. Okay. All right, I've, good. I've, my mic, is my mic... Yeah, yours is... Um, if you could turn it up a tad, that would... Yeah. But on the other hand... That's my... the highest. Maybe I should just bring it closer to my mouth. How's okay. that? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's better. Okay. Actually, and everybody's audio is really clear and crisp. This is great. Well, it's because we had Ian reboot his router. <laughs> Before we started? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well... well I have withdrawn my hand of protection. Have you? Day. Have you? I haven't withdrawn my hand from my... <laughs> well... Not from you, anyway. Not from dumbass, especially. He's always got my hand of protection. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, if we, do, I don't think we have anything else. Let's masturbate, shall we? Okay. The amateur skeptics present Ian's masturbation moment. Brought to you by the Dumbass Media Empire. The Dumbass Media Empire bringing you content that touches people while they touch themselves. Well, Ian left us at this article. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What do they call it in Texas? Um, what do they call masturbating in Texas? They, uh, immoral? That's not nearly as pithy as I was hoping, but okay. <laughs> uh, what, what, I, I guess they could say they call it, call it um, I don't know, I got nothing. I wasn't prepared for that. I was hoping it, I was hoping it'd be something like oil in my gun. Oil in my... See, all I can think of are euphemisms for peeing, like leaking the lizard. And I get... Oh, how about they call it tickling the chicken? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're saying how about, which means you don't actually know. Obviously, you have an assignment for our next podcast. <laughs> I, I was I was talking to a British woman at one, and I asked if they have any uh, euphemism for masturbation. And I, we kind of... Uh, she said, like, for female masturbation. And I was like, well, maybe... Probably something, you know, whimsical like touch it, he flops it. <laughs> and how'd that go over? <laughs> she loved it. I, I like tickling the chicken. All right. So did did anybody read this article? <laughs> I read it. I did. Yeah. So people can't stop getting off the science of female masturbation. I don't know. that This this article to me, um, it, it goes through and it's trying to look at an evolutionary perspective on not, not masturbation just the female oh, uh, orgasm yeah and the female orgasm so it's looking at the clitoris and the placement of it versus other mammals and, and trying to decide if there's any sort of purpose in it right which I didn't is realize it, which that is, the clitoris on other animals is a lot closer to the vagina yeah so that it's more likely to get stimulated that makes more sense it does so why did the females move so far away from the vagina and i guess that's what they're what they don't have an answer better schools but I guess the the idea is that, and and it's terrible that the, the way that this is kind of it, it does kind of try to clarify that we're not saying that the female orgasm isn't important. What they're saying is that it's not important reproduction, right? Okay. But I At thought it's not necessary to it. Not necessary. Um, I thought though that orgasm stimulated the cervix and created it. So I've read that you're more likely to get pregnant. If you have an orgasm. Right. But after reading this, the, the takeaway is that, um, that I don't know, that it's not, well, I guess it, it's not necessary for. Yeah. It's saying that they thought at one point that, that it might be necessary or it might induce ovulation, but 
it doesn't seem to be that way among any other primates. So it says now a. I, I you know, I'm I'm thinking though that the evolutionary purpose of the orgasm is probably to stimulate coupling to to make the make the female feel warm and protected with the male, and so they'll stay together for the raising of the child. Well, and that could be. I mean, that, I, that sure because you know they're talking about how it's releasing prolactin and oxytocin. Oxytocin is the love model. So it says now a new paper claims to describe the ancestral purpose of the female orgasm, much like. The human uh, tailbone, female orgasm, once served an important function, according to a study whose findings are published today. Are published today in JEZ. So it's published in a uh, in a paper, Muscular and Development. <clears throat> wow. So, so it, they publish it in a paper. Uh, the evolution of the evolutionary role of orgasm, the author theorizes, was to induce ovulation during sex, allowing women to become pregnant. Okay, so so they're saying in in the past, um, in our evolution, that orgasm was actually that's how ovulation was stimulated. I guess that's still true in cats, right? Isn't that what the article that that, that by doing by having ovul or having ovulation stimulated by orgasm? It is much more likely that that the male would be the with a father, you know, that there'd be less ambiguity as the father. Yeah, I've heard that uh, in uh, big cats, being I think maybe lions, that um, when uh, a new male takes over uh, in the pack, pride. that uh, pride that uh, they uh, kill uh, all of the uh, babies. I think hey, here it is. Inducing ovulation is the literal stimulation of the egg production, a physical act of sex. Most felines, for example, are induced ovulator. The benefit of this trait in cats, uh, including higher, includes a higher chance of single parentage. So, okay, so in humans, uh, that that seems spurious to me. I have never seen any cats, any male cats, raising children. So I don't think that males become single parents. That's not what. Carry on. <laughs> single patronage for males. So single, or yeah, so single fathers. So basically, you know who the father is. But it, that kind of makes sense, though. I mean, it, so if if um, female ovulates when you're having sex with by stimulation of orgasm, then you can be more assured that you're the father. Yeah. Overall, though, I got to say, I'm having trouble masturbating to this article. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a trifle. <laughs> it is, but it's but it is very interesting. But I, but unfortunately, Ian isn't here to really you know give us the uh, nooks and crannies. So I've got something better. How about dildos for kids? <laughs> and what better way to get your kids started with dildos than Pokemon? It's all the craze. You're doing it on your phone. Why not do it in your bedroom as well? So uh, I take it this is going to be uh, your Christmas present to your daughters, Brian. That's right. Hashtag Christmas gifts for kids. <laughs> so I these these are awesome. I forget where we found these. So it says uh, uh, basically that they they're exactly what they appear to be. And what's awesome is that this comes with the Pikachu butt plug tail. <laughs> that See, is pretty awesome. <laughs> I See, didn't even notice before that you'd labeled this as dildos for the kids. <laughs> Uh, that's thinking ahead, isn't it? Yep, gotta catch them all. <laughs> so yeah, so it has the three starty po starting starter Pokemon right here. It, uh, so it's got Bully, Charmy, and Squirtle. Squirty? Oh no, it's what they named them. One's a I think that in Pokemon, I think it's a Squirtle. The one of them is a Pikachu. One of them is a Bulbasaur. The Bulbasaur is the green one. No, the Pikachu is the is the lightning tail look. Yeah, and then there's Charmy, the uh, uh, Charmander. Was it? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so I thought these were great. This is the these are at uh, geekysextoys.com. Yeah, I mean, how else are you going to get the kids started, right? <laughs> Albeit looking at these, I'm not sure I'd want to stick one of those up my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Although, hey, hey, adults can have whimsical fun with their sex toys. Absolutely, that's true. It's not they're not just it's for not, kids. They're not just for kids. Ah, <laughs> uh, the next one is for Ian specifically for Ian. And this, this this one makes the most sense. It's the Doctor's Sonic Screwdriver dildo. Uh, I, I'm gonna find I'm gonna say this article is not timely. Uh, I get it. Oh, oh that's a good 
Yes. <laughs> so there we go. So it's Sonic Screwdriver that is, or a dildo that looks like a Sonic Screwdriver. Well, it looks like a specific version of that particular tool. Uh, which doctors is that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't believe it's any of this. Uh, I don't no, think... it's, it's, I think it's like not the ninth. You know, I can find out. Hold on. <laughs> now I need to know. <laughs> I mean, I suppose it looks sort of, kind of like, uh, like the tenth doctor. <laughs> A little bit. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> the point is, the idea of a sonic screwdriver should get you off. <laughs> so there he goes. There's some fun sex. Actually, looks more like the Twelfth Doctor's. The but Twelfth Doctor. Yep. Well, he's kind of dark, so maybe it is him and Clara. All right. Well, he switched over to Sonic sunglasses now, though. Oh, really? So is that, is that easier to what see through people's dresses? What do you do with Sonic have... sunglasses? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. <clears throat> well, there we go. Now for something everybody will enjoy. Half Cider, Tale of Two Birdies. Yep. I found this absolutely fascinating. So I, I'm, I'm, I get this, this link, this, uh, this web page, and I'm confronted with a parakeet that is half white and blue, half green and yellow. Green and yellow is the natural color of budgerkeets. Oh. Um, everything else you see in the United States, in the stores and so forth, is all color mutations that have been bred in. So the blue is actually a color mutation? It is. Okay. And it comes from having um, fewer yellow uh, chroma. Chromosomes? Basically, no. Yeah, whatever, fewer yellow pigmentations. Um, basically, though, what this is, this is not some kind of a fancy dye job. It's not a mutation. It is actually two genetically distinct individuals that combined in the egg. How does that happen? So, um, it's actually not that uncommon. You know, you essentially have two two zygotes that are growing independently, and then they will fuse. And depending upon what stage they fuse at, if they happen to fuse in such a way that basically you've got them growing equally, then you get this almost perfect half and half like this so when you see an egg that has two yolks are those are yeah. two separate embryos but they're not but i guess since those are un, unfertilized eggs that they would have to be fraternal is that right um i think they are well these are even these two would have to be fraternal because they're not genetically they're not genetically identical well yeah but so, i was thinking an egg I if mean, you see two embryos being, in an egg you wouldn't know whether they're fraternal or not. You wouldn't know, so it could be either. It could be identical. It could be fraternal. Well, wait, but if they're in an unfertilized egg, they have to be because because isn't isn't they have identical? The split happens after fertilization, right? Yes, you're correct. That is, you're absolutely correct. Okay. So you're yeah, you, they would have to be the way you the way you just phrased it. Yeah, they would have to be. But I mean, I assume that 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 you have to have two, two yolks that get fertilized inside of an egg for this to um for this to happen. Right? I mean, it's not that you have two eggs that get mashed together. That couldn't happen. You have to have two yolks that could fertilize inside of an egg and combine. So, yeah. So, this is a very s specific set of circumstances. Mm -hmm. But it's actually, I think they said about 10%. Well, they said 10%. Is that also true in aviate? Um, They are thinking so. You can only tell for certain, though, be if you've got two different sets of pigmentation. Right. And then in this case, the, the, that is what has happened. Mm -hmm. And so does that uh, happen in humans? It does yeah. happen in humans. Yeah. And I, I suppose technically it could happen in humans in such a way that you have this kind of a, a half and half coloration. So you might have somebody who's half blonde, half brunette, different colored eyes. Or different skin tones? I You could go so far as to different skin tones, yeah. Has that ever? Not that I know of, yeah. except on Star Trek. Yeah. I mean, so, so we, we know that um, there have been people with two sets of DNA inside of them um we know that we knew that that happened because there's a legal case where um the i forget the circumstance when they did the dna testing they got one dna as opposed to the other and they finally retested them both mm -hmm. so um so twinsy the parakeet at the top is male right because of the blue sear the one that's down below that has a video houdini is actually half male half female so the fraternal twins one was male one was female and you can tell by the the sear coloration um down below a little further there's a picture of a cardinal that is half red and half gray, and that is also a male-female hybrid. Oh, this this the cardinal is. What about the um the the you're finch? talking about the lady Goldian finch? Yeah, that is uh, that is incredible. That is also 
It's a pretty bird. I've seen those in person. Um, that is also half male, half female. Is this related at all to Siamese twin? See, now that's fraternal twins splitting. They don't split all the way, right? So no. I think it's not fraternal twins. I think it's identical twins. Or identical that twins that don't split all the way. But yeah, yeah, is it related? I don't know. I don't I don't know that they even know. I, there's a lot of questions that come up in my mind. You know, Brian and I were talking earlier about are these less hardy or more hardy or just, you know, the same hardiness as uh, a bird of – you were thinking that they'd have twice as much – problems you know pro- twice as much likelihood of a genetic problem well, but no no if they're fraternal they wouldn't necessarily have dupe they wouldn't have duplicate dna but, but what i'm saying is you have you essentially have two people living so yeah. you have the you have the chances of ailments of both people. but you also have the chances of genetic strengths yeah, so in other words if one side right? has got a vulnerability to certain bacteria but the other side has got you know, white blood cells that are stronger in, against that particular bacteria, I'm thinking that there would be the benefit. What What is also interesting, though, is that they've got white blood cells that are adapted to both sets of DNA and do not recognize the other set of DNA as for- See, and to me, that, that brings up the likelihood of having more genetic problems, not hardier. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It doesn't go into that. Yeah, it did. But it, 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 it just brings up a bunch of questions. Can yeah. this kind of thing cause hermaphroditism? Well, you've got the... The uh, cardinal down here is a hermaphrodite. I don't know if it's a fertile hermaphrodite, but it is a it is a formal, uh, it is a hermaphrodite. It is male and female at once. Well, and that's the same with um, a lot of these. Um, yeah, Houdini and Houdini. the Lady Goldian finch are also hermaphrodites. Right. So I mean, so then they go into actually. I did not know, for instance, that birds only have or only usually fertile on the left over. Yeah, I didn't know. That. And I don't know. I don't understand why that would be. Well, and they don't say in this article. Yeah, I know. So I'm going to be doing more digging. They've got a lobster down here that's half blue and half. Right. And I've seen these lobsters before. And I didn't think that this was that uncommon. And a butterfly and a moth. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, but they're saying it's, it, it may be as high as 10% in humans. And it's just not, you know, you don't find it unless you're actually doing DNA testing. And usually there's no reason to do that kind of a DNA test. What's striking to me is just how symmetrical they are. I'm bo- I mean, it th- most of these that we're seeing, it's pretty much down the middle. Yeah, and it, it has to do with what what phase, you know, basically how mature the zygotes were when they fused. Right, so the earlier, the more likely you are to get this perfect um, color dimorphism from side to side. Because they both grow together, and they each form one side of the being. Yeah, it's, crazy. it's it's fascinating. It is fascinating. I, I I was incredibly. It just brings up a lot of questions. Yeah, wild. Yeah, you could see this in um, with cockatiels. Cockatiels have coloration. Males have certain color morphs, and females have certain morphs. Like right. for instance, I know that pearls are female always, never male. So if you have a half pearl, half gray, then you've got male and female cockatiel. I, the thing that I was wondering um, also, so when we relate this back to humans, what about um, the whole intersex? Um, is it is that is it is that related to some of the double sets? It's a good of DNA? question. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. You'd have to do, I guess, you'd have to do extensive DNA testing. Though, yeah, because this is really the only way to catch it, unless you've got a distinct coloration like this. Yeah. And and you might not even catch this if it was two males of the, that had the same color morph. Exactly. You know, you might have slight. You know, he might look maybe faded on one side, but if they've got exactly the same color morph. Um, the other thing that, too that's fascinating is that with twinsy at the top here, the green and the yellow is that's budgie colors. That's what they are in the wild. And this blue and white coloration is, I guess, about fifteen generations of breeding. From, you know, 15 generations of targeted breeding from your normal green and yellow parakeet. So that green and yellow coloration just popped up that strong back in 15 generations later. Oh, okay. Pretty birds. Oh, yeah. That that finch was incredibly striking. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the other question I had about this is, is there more than one personality present? You know, if you've got the brain formed half and half. Do you actually have more than one personality present, or is it some sort of a fused personality that's a combination of the two? Well, but I think our brains are already right in everybody. Well, yeah, but look what's telling you. <laughs> it's your brain. You can't really trust that. I think, they, I think that there's some backup citations you can draw on for that. 
I think the only real reasonable test we can perform is give, like, say, for instance, this, this parakeet, give him a coin that's scarred on one side and clean on the other, two-headed coin. And if he makes an evil decision when the coin comes up with the scarred side up, we know. See, I was more interested. So, like, if you have you read Thinking Fast and Slow? I have not. So it talks about the different areas of the brains and how there's an interpreter that puts kind of all of it together. And so that each quad, each part of the brain, different personality. Okay. Is how, is how, I think that's how he described it. So, so are you telling me that Herman's head is real? <laughs> <laughs> and so is inside out. Maybe personalities is a little bit too strong of a definition. But the, the idea being that you can have parts of the brains that kind of want different things. And you have this kind of overarching structure. Uh, our, our brains are incredibly complicated, and I'm oversimplifying by far. But imagine, though, that if we had the dimorphism like this, where, where part of the brain was male and part of it, and then there, then you might have more of a, we see some of these struggles in um, in, in identity. You might be, might come from, I, I, and I have no idea if, if that's, you know, if that's even a reasonable scientific explanation for seeing, but it seems that it could it, it's, happen. It's evocative enough to make you wonder. Right. And there's even a question of whether being male or female is something that you feel socially that uh, uh, you that, that gets into you, or whether it's something that's ingrained into you. Well, that's a good question too. I mean, if it's in the yeah, in the brain, you know, I, where does it stem from? So yeah, so all these questions are, are fascinating, aren't they? They're very they fascinating. Are. But we should just remember that it's all the work of the devil. Yeah. Well, that is <laughs> primarily because God has withdrawn His protection from that. Yeah. Well, the, there is that, right? There is that. Oh, and is that- it's, it's damn inconvenient. Well, and the source that I got this from is impeccable, right? So I, I did get this from Right Wing Watch, but he— they Wait, are, wait, wait. Well, let's define the word impeccable for what it is. I don't know if you're using it correctly. Impeccable is, is actually defined by the dictionary as immune to beaks. <laughs> oh, okay. Particularly those who— Wow, you, you actually went there. I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking just that. I'm like, no, he's probably not going to go, oh, he went there. He went there. <laughs> I, I am not better than that. Dumbass, you should know me, Michael. You should know that. Michael. I should have known. Okay. I, 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 in my, in my blog post on the various different Batman movies, I, I said about Batman Forever. I said it's not forever. It just feels like that at times. <laughs> um, oh, yep. All right. Not, so not better than that. So I'm actually using um when you when you look at the the definition, there's a second definition, and that's the one I'm using. Did just mean it's a top notch. Okay. And 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 not the Urban Dictionary one either, where, which might be where your version of impeccable came from. Um, Pat Boone, God has lifted the, his hand of protection from the United States of America. Christ, third time this week. <laughs> third time this week. That's exactly the problem. So he goes into some reasons why and yada, yada, yada. But number one, who is Pat fucking Boone to say this? Who is Pat fucking Boone okay. anyway? So Pat, so I, Pat, I think a lot of our viewers, our listeners they, want to know who the hell is Pat Boone? He did the shittiest version of Tutti Frutti ever. He is okay. so white. <laughs> Well, you know, essentially, this is a man who is a successful pop star, uh, a semi-successful pop star in the 1950s, and has been striving to be relevant over and over again since. I, I give you case in point, Pat Boone's In a Metal Mood album. In, in a on Metal? Which, on which he does, I, I swear to you, I swear to you before Sithrak, the insane god. <laughs> okay. I swear to you that he has Ronnie James Dio's Holy Diver. Don Vegas lounge style. I listened to it. I could practically hear the frilled sleeves as he was singing it. So here's the thing. We have Little Richard singing Tutti Frutti, which is soulful and exciting and fun. And then you have Pat Boone singing it, and it just sucks the soul out of you. Yeah. This man has been sucking souls since the 1950s. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he... he set his daughter Debbie to do it in the 1970s with a song, uh, One Hit Wonder, called You Light Up My Life. <laughs> so, and that will bring a flashback I, later tonight. Uh, so, but I like how, uh, how one of his claims is that uh, uh, God is angry at the U.S. because of food stamps. Yes. Which uh, I guess God had a little word with Jesus about the multiplying bread and fishes and stuff. <laughs> well, it is... Don't well don't give free food to those to those bums in your crowd. It is well known. What, what the hell are you doing here? Get with it, Jesus. It is well known that Jesus fucked up the economy of of uh, whatever city that was when he 
multiplied the bread and the fishes. <laughs> put fishermen out of work, put bakers out of work. The whole deal. Well, not to mention what he did to the tax collectors. I mean, how unfair can you get? Yeah. Jesus. He's a liberal. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, and that, I, and but, that's why God had him killed. That's right. You know, oh. he not apparently he was though, very disappointed in his. Apparently, though, it's not just food stamps that is the reason that God is angry at us. It's also Saturday Night Live. Oh well. So he has been at war with with Saturday Night Live since they did their fake trailer for God Isn't Dead yeah. too. So here's the thing: is that this is something that people are always saying. That these religious fundamentalists are always saying. So I've got another article that says. This says God sometimes withdraws protection. And this one is from 2013. If you Google, if you do do a quick Google search for God has lifted his hand of protection, you find articles from 2010, uh, 2012. I mean, so, I mean, I, and I imagine from every, 2001. Every time something bad happens. Okay, here's one yeah. from 2001, going all the way back to 2001. So, and, and I imagine that it goes back you way can't, further. You can't find anything before 2001. I find that hard to believe. Um, not on my quick Google, no. But I, like you say, I, I, it, God, uh, God's hand of, of protection over the U.S. has possibly been lifted. And this one is from 2001. Okay. Well, I assume that 2001, it started in more earnings. Yeah. Um, I, I have a theory. I have a theory. I know that to, to God, a day for us is an eye blade or less. So how, how I want to well no well, hear okay me out. okay I'll hear you hear out. me out okay hear me out okay I don't think he's actually lifting his hand of protection I think his nose is getting itchy and he's scratching it. <laughs> it's a thought it's a theory there's as much behind that as you know anything else we looked at tonight so when well, so, you know if if everybody truly was pious and worships God in America nothing bad would ever happen to Americans uh, that's probably true. But, you know, every time God picks his nose, there's a natural disaster. Scratches. Oh, I'm sorry. Now, see, now you're slandering him. <laughs> right. So, but the other question is, this is on Right Wing Watch. I don't, who the, I don't even know who Pat Boone told this to. Who the fuck is listening to Pat Boone? Um, He's going to, like I said, he's striving desperate for relevance. So. Well, you know, the only you know, the, the only uh, celebrities that the Republicans can get these days are like C-list celebrities. <laughs> like Chachi? <laughs> I'm I don't so think glad. even Joni loves him anymore. I, probably not. I, I'm so glad that they got Chachi out of retirement. What the hell's that guy been doing? Nothing. I heard he was in charge. Oh. <laughs> you know, new kid in the neighborhood. Lives downstairs and it's understood. Scott Bayo, what the fuck? <laughs> and if you're not singing that in your mind, then you both have no soul. Uh, singing what? Charles in oh, charge yeah. of, of our, our days, days and, and our nights. <laughs> no, I'm not singing. Yeah, to, that yeah. doesn't ring a bell with me, old timer. No, it doesn't. You don't know that one? Nope. Oh, my, oh man. Now we do feel old. Okay, youngster. <laughs> The youngsters up in Canada don't know that one. Uh, it probably hasn't syndicated to Canada yet. <laughs> they, yeah, they haven't gotten it quite yet. They're a little behind. <laughs> yep. Now, now here's a theory. So if you haven't gotten Charles in charge, that means you're probably still watching Happy Day. I'm going to break this to you as gently as possible. Ron Howard's actually directing movies now. <laughs> and that's Happy the only Day, way. I that... don't know what you're talking about there either. I mean, like. But uh, after this, I'm going to watch the current episode of Leave it to Beaver. Oh. Just as long as it's not Captain Jack, that one's... Oh. That one's cool. um, the, uh, yeah, the, but Ron Howard is directing. That's the only way his brother Clint gets work. Clint Howard? Yeah. I have not a clue. The, Ron Howard has a brother named Clint. Do you remember the Star Trek episode with the uh, with the Tholian web and they uh, they... It may not have been the Tholian web. The the guy who put them through these tests, and it turned out to be a kind of a uh, uh, unattractive little dwarf who gives him a drink called Tranya. Uh, no. Okay, that was Ron Howard's brother. He didn't get much more attractive as an adult. Well, okay. <laughs> well, well, I think it's time to move on for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh man. See, so I guess my 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 dildos for kids is, is for is for you guys in Canada. Yep, I've you can already leave. ordered them. You've you already can, ordered them. Are you going to leave those to your beavers? Oh, because I understand you've got a lot of beavers in Canada. <laughs> Always chasing the beavers. All right, guys. Hey, do you guys uh, have you guys ever uh, heard of Tor or VPNs or proxy? I know about I know about VPNs. I know about proxies. Um, I have heard Tor, those words. 
Tor I avoid because I'm allergic. <laughs> the onion router? Yep. So uh, I, 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 I haven't done this in a while, but I thought this, this is interesting because this, this talks about anonymity and, you know, how, and, and attempts to stay to be anonymous on the Internet. And of course, the internet was not designed to be anonymous from the beginning. It was it was that it, it wasn't his intention. Security was not thought of when they when they started the none of this stuff was. So so there's these constant layers that go on top of it to try and provide these. Um, and actually, I don't like the way this this article is structured because it starts with Tor and then goes to VPNs and it ends with proxies. But really, we should start with proxy because Tor is a, so basically so a proxy simply a way to make. Uh, an application on your computer, such as a browser or mail client, um, route it through another computer so that it, it appears that it's coming from somewhere else. Except for a proxy won't necessarily, uh, it doesn't hide the IP, the originating IP address. So even though you go through another IP to get to an endpoint, it doesn't provide any sort of, it, it doesn't actually hide your IP. And it also provides no sort of uh, anonymity as that it's not encrypted. So the traffic from from two of those third points is not uh, it, it can be sniffed it can be uh it's not it's not protected but i find i find these these kinds of um I, these proxies can be useful you can pair them with ssh do you guys know what ssh is ssh i'm not familiar with okay so it's called secure shell so have you ever heard of telnet okay. ever heard of what telnet Yes. So Telnet it, it was a way to remotely perform operations on another machine, and SSH is a secure version of that, so it's encrypted. So, okay. like, I have computers that yeah, are... like getting a command interface for Linux. Right. Linux, so I I have computers that um, that are behind firewalls or behind a different NAT route, and sometimes I need to access services on them. So I'll create a tunnel um, through the firewall or, or, other, or other device into the, another environment, and then I'll create a proxy so that I can um, look at something on that. On, does that make sense? It does. Okay, so basically, so a proxy is essentially... It, it it can if you're it can be used if say you're at a place that is blocking certain traffic you can use a proxy to get around that as well so by creating an encrypted tunnel out to another device you can proxy traffic through that tunnel and come out somewhere else to get around stops or mm-hmm. yeah. I've Which, done that before oh. to get my hands on uh, US websites that are geo-blocked from me. Right, so you might use an HTTP proxy to do that, or an HTTPS proxy to do that. Is that Would that be correct? Is that how you're doing it? Yes. Okay, so, and then the other type of proxy is a SOX proxy, which is generally what I'm setting up to get it to get through firewall to access certain services um, on servers. So, so yeah, so that, that is exactly what you can do um, with a proxy. Now, so Tor is the is the next version of that essentially. So the Tor proxy um, it creates encrypted and encrypted from one site to another. So the minimum that you can do with Tor is three routes. So you'll so your your computer will talk to another computer. Which will talk to another. Which will talk to another computer that'll either be your endpoint or it'll talk to a computer. But eventually, you have an, you have to have an endpoint. But the you, you might want to mention that's why the way it's the internet Tor. works in general. Well, not 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 so much. See, I think what you you might be talking about how th- how packets get routed. Yes. Okay, and I'm specifically so yeah so okay so we we are but we're but we're creating um, an encrypted route so that it, that will hide our our in, into the internet. So these encrypted routes. Um, these encrypted tunnels that you're creating can go all around the world, and so it creates random routes. So you're right. So you can, when when a packet gets routed, it goes to another router that forwards it to another router. But in this case, we're creating an encrypted tunnel from one point to another. So um, the router would would not see what's go- what's in those packets. It, it'll see the initial creation of the tunnel, but it won't see any content in. It. Does that make sense? I think so. Okay, Brian, I was saying you might want to mention why it's called Tor. I, and I'm getting there. Okay. Well, um, I'm sure. Yeah. So, but what you do is every t- um, you create every time every jump that this takes, it it essentially put a, you put a wrapper around your packet. So what what happens is you end up with these packets that'll have through four layers. So that's why Tunian router. So when it, when it goes when it goes to the first hop, it takes away the the first um, the first layer. Which then and that layer tells it the next layer and then the next layer to go. So by the time you get to the end, when you get to the exit point, the exit point does not know the origination. So this stuff gets sent backwards. Same kind of a chain. One question. 
<clears throat> yeah. East Coast or West Coast. The wrapper that goes around it, East Coast or West Coast. Uh, it's more like a sandwich. That's why, more like... So an, no, no gold chains, no firearms. Yeah, so. more like the layer of an onion. So you're going through the layers of the onion to send the, send, to send the information back and forth. So at any one point, the only thing that, that, that a hop knows is the origination point and the destination. It doesn't know anything beyond that. So if you have four, four or five destination points, it's not going to know the other two. And, and the end will only know the exit and where it came from. So by doing that, you're, the traffic's, um, you, you can't, you don't know where that traffic, um, but it becomes in much like, so even with, if you use encryption with a proxy with Tor, the, the weakest point is where you exit. So there, um, the, the problem with that is that, so that traffic can be inspected. So you could, so if you're not encrypting after that point, that traffic could be looked at. So, They've had people who didn't use encryption after they got outside of Tor, and then they went and got their email. And if they're and if they sent clear text to to get to their email server, then that all that traffic inspected. Do you follow me? Mm-hmm. Okay. I haven't bored you to tears yet. Nope. What, so, what the so article? Like, uh, the, you're talking about the people on the receiving end who've been visited by somebody using Tor. Right. So if you're on the receiving end, you'll see. Like, it, it, like if you just have a web page and and you're looking at that traffic, what the what you'll see is you'll see traffic coming from the Tor exit. So that's the only thing that you'll be able to decipher is where that traffic. And then how would you use that in order to uh, get somebody's email username and password? Okay, so if I if I set up a Tor route and then I go and access my email and that email connection is unencrypted. And I send and I send my username and password. Then they would be able to extract that information from the traffic. So if you're sniffing traffic coming out of the exit point, ah, so, okay. so you so here's the thing: is that with a lot of these technologies, you're trusting the exit point because that's where you're the most vulnerable. So if I set up a Tor exit point and I and I collect all of the traffic, well, then if anything that goes through there that is unencrypted, I can I can extract information. And and I could also see where people are going. I can see what 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 they're accessing when they come out of my exit. But this brings up another. Point. So if you if you have a tour exit point and somebody comes out of your exit point and and does something, um, goes and gets like a um, downloads the latest uh, latest downloads a movie. Well, when they when they uh, when they track that back, they're going to track that track that back to you, the person who had the exit point, and you could potentially be liable for the content that they accessed, even though it wasn't. So there's a lot of risk in running these exit points. But this was originally invented by the the U.S. Navy to um, to protect their traffic. So actually, the um, a lot of a lot of like that are controlled by um, by the military. So they're putting a lot of money into this. Or at least did it one. So the so you're using a Tor exit point, and while you're using that exit point, they can see everything that you're doing. Well, not everything. But if you go to a page that is HTTPS that's using TLS encryption, then the, then the, uh, they would just know what web page you went to. They wouldn't know the content that you access. Okay. Well, most uh, email services are HTTPS anyway. It's not a risk anymore. But it, you but um, when Tor was first um, being used, it was a problem. And people thought that Tor that that they were that they would be safe using Tor, and they ended up there were some problems. Right. Um, but but the reason- but they, but, they, but anybody the person who's running the Tor exit point will be able to see like any unencrypted. That's yeah. That's anything you access that's unencrypted, they'll be able to they'll be able yeah. So the, so what, that's the potential downfall. What the article doesn't go into is the vulnerability of all three of these different items, which is that they are particularly susceptible to a brute force attack handled by two people on the same keyboard. <sighs> yes, they didn't watch NCIS for <laughs> Yeah, that is Brian's one of Brian's personal pet peeves <laughs> is that episode that made him quit watching the show. That is one of them for sure. That is one of them for sure. <laughs> so anyway, I've never actually seen the show, but uh I think I saw a clip of that and somebody was complaining about it. probably Brian. <laughs> <laughs> So the, the much faster if two people use the same keyboard. Uh, That'll work because that's how you can break the firewalls. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> so it, so the um these technologies can can be useful though for whistleblowers and um political dissidents and stuff like that. So while while there is some there you know like any technology, there's good stuff that can happen here and bad stuff that can happen here. Right. It's it's like any technology. It's only as good as the person. Did you go over VPNs? I haven't gotten to them yet. 
Okay, so here's the thing is that proxies are generally used for individual applications or protocols. So meaning that you would use this to access a web page. And so your HTTP, um, uh, your HTTP traffic will go through this proxy. But at the same time, if you open an email client and you haven't configured it to use the proxy, being Tor or another proxy, it will go out through your regular. In- so, so you have to. So these applications have to be set up on a per instance basis. Um, whereas VPN, VPN works a little bit differently. Um, VPN takes your whole internet connection and and creates an encrypted tunnel. To another point, and then and then your uh, and then you exit onto the from there. So anything you do inside of that um, when you're using that VPN will will be sent through that VPN. So all of your it, traffic. It can also be used though in a work environment similar to what I work in to, um, you know, to essentially restrict what they can do inside of that tunnel. Right. Yes, exactly. So when you're accessing the tunnel, your the content that you can that you can access will be restricted. So it's uh it's uh, the same result, just a different way of doing it as a, a proxy. Right, except for it's more. Um, it encompasses more. So if you um any traffic that you send. So right now with a proxy, you can have like I can have two browsers open, one using the proxy and one not using the proxy. But with a VPN, both of them that are open will be using the VPN connection. So like I have a computer here at home that is my company's and so when I when I access so I have to use a VPN to access any content that is behind our firewall. So for me to work I need this VPN so that I can get to my servers that are behind. Which one do you use? Um oh, we're using Pulse Secure. So we're using the Juniper product. Okay. Uh, are you guys using the Cisco product? No, well part of it part of it we do use Cisco, part of it we use F5 networks. So there are a lot of technologies out there for doing this very thing. I've also used OpenVPN. So I've so I've you know I've set up and supported um, a few of these products over the years. So all of these products can can be so can be used to help increase anonymity. Um, one of the cool things that these products can do, though, um, and with proxies and with VPN, a lot of times you can choose your exit points. So people will use these, like um, Dumbass was talking about, to access content that you can't normally get to. So if it's behind like a regional wall, you can you can sometimes use a VPN to come out of the of the regional wall into say the UK and access UK content that you can't normally access from the United States. Except for now a lot of these exit points are known and the, and now services are blocking those as well. So a lot of, so a lot of people from Canada in particular were using VPNs such as uh, ProXPN and some of these other products to access Netflix and Hulu and they have Netflix and Hulu have recently shut that down. I didn't realize you guys couldn't get Hulu in Canada. Can you get to Hulu? Nope. Yeah. Uh, one, well, I ch- uh, I looked into it a few years ago, and we couldn't then. And I think Netflix is the same way. We've got Netflix in Canada, but uh, I understand that American Netflix is better. That might be true, well, yeah. dumbass, American everything is better. <laughs> so anyway, so these, all the, these products all, and there are variations on many of these, like with VPN. I, I don't know, when you use VPN, um, you can have a split VPN. Which will which will take some traffic and put it through the VPN and some traffic not. But like with my work, the way that they set the VPN up, they don't allow you to do that. Yeah. I, well, usually if it's a work VPN, there's a specific reason to have it as a VPN, and they don't really want you messing around with that. No, and like with our stuff, and it's a security. It's it can it can be a, a potential security risk to have a split VPN. Is somebody unwrapping something? Sounds like Mac. I'm changing some stuff around on my desk. I did not realize you could hear it. We can hear it. Well, I am sorry. So, so I these three technologies, um, I, I what are incredibly useful, and I, uh, I, uh, I, I use, um, I use proxy and uh, I use VPNs on pretty much on a daily basis. But I don't necessarily use Tor on a daily basis. But the reason that that that, uh, that these um, are important, uh, particularly with Tor, is because that gets to the dark web, and we so now we can start to have conversations about the. I would like to have a look at the dark web, see what's on there. Do it, does it? Is it like search engines can can like? Okay, so isn't isn't the dark dark web like like ninety nine percent snuff sites? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> so and I'm not interested. Yeah. So okay. So there's there's two things. There's the deep web. 
And the deep web is any content that isn't indexed by a surgeon. So anything behind a paywall and anything that if you put in a robot.txt file that says do not index them would be considered, that's considered the deep web. And that's like, that could be as close to 99% of the content on the web. Um, so anything, so anytime you, like much of Facebook would be considered the deep web because it's not indexable by a search. Okay. All right. Okay. So now the dark web is, is a step further than that. And it, and all these things, I mean, are, it's all the internet, right? It, it's all just technologies on the internet, but the dark web, you have to access the access product. But so the, to, to the dark web, you have to, you have to use a product to get into that. And then once you're into that, most of it. Well, I don't think any of it is indexed in any way. So you get so there's like a, a wiki page that they will use to get you to other things. And so you so you have to go to the and you go to these pages and then they'll get you around. And most of them, uh, the ones that I saw were through the Tor router and they were all dot onion. And so you and so once you find them, you bookmark them because it's going to be difficult to get back to them if you if you don't bookmark them away because they're not indexed. There's no there's no DNS for it. And uh, they just won't allow you if you try to access them through a regular browser? Well, but it's all in this encrypted network. So to anonymize where the servers and stuff are, they 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 advertise these only through the Tor network, through that encrypted network. So it's essentially like looking at a black box. To get into that black box, into black box, you program. And so the Is there idea- anything really compelling in the dark web? Well, I I I uh, you can buy uh pure uncut cocaine. Ooh. Yeah. So a lot I've of been it, wanting to buy some pure uncut cocaine. So I don't I don't know if there's any content in there. So <laughs> then the, this is probably a place for you. I don't know if there's I mean, there's a lot of illegal activity happening on the dark web. And I, I can't say for sure whether or not there is anything happening on in the dark web that is of value to anybody. Um, unless I mean, I mean, hackers like to, 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 to share exploits there. Uh, and there's a ways in use ways to buy um, credit card numbers there. And so a lot of it is illegal activity um, and some in more illegal than others. I mean, there's, that's how a lot of child porn gets shuffled around too, is through Tor and stuff like that. So this is where it becomes a mixed bag. So why we want people to to use these anonymous, tech, you know, when they're political distance and stuff like that, they're also getting used to do other things we don't want. We certainly would not want. I'm just wondering if there are like any like really good reasons to like uh, try to get Tor and look on the dark web, see if there's anything interesting. There, there might be stuff that's interesting there, but I don't know how compelling it is. I really and. I, cause I haven't done it. It's one of those things that it's like, man, I, I, you know, it's, I'd like to learn more about it, but I'm not so sure there's anything there that I, that I need. <laughs> so I don't know. I may have to do it just because I want to poke around at it. I'm a little curious myself. Yeah. And, and maybe I'll just, you know, just for fun, like, uh, just do something like completely that you completely don't need the dark web to do. Like just set up a regular blog or something and be really secretive about it. Yeah, that's and you could do that there. Yeah. And then and, and then just you, people will come to it and be like, well, why is this on the dark web? <laughs> yeah, that would that that's the kind of thing you could do. So yeah, so I mean that so one of the reasons I'm looking at all these technologies because of the the um the dark web. I find it fascinating, you know, that this whole subculture it's like it's you know it's um it's like an encrypted Reddit. <laughs> You know, they, they have lots of subcultures. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So, yeah. So I don't know if there's anything that, that is overly compelling for most people on there. But the fact that it's there is is what makes it compelling to me. It may be completely useless. Yeah, but curiosity is going to be very natural. Yeah, exactly. Well, do, do we do we want to do anything else? Yeah, we're at 626, my time. Yeah. Well, we could go into let's, the... You know what? Let's leave the... The Pokemon stuff for next time. I'm sure that'll still be. <laughs> it's not going anywhere for a little <laughs> while. I, I'm imagining. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we can leave yeah, that. I think so. Okay. Uh, we should uh, maybe uh, talk about um, uh, looking for a uh, a, a new uh, member of the podcast. I agree. Um. So of course, um, you know, we usually I've tried to have have a um a female. To, to get a dad some perspective and we and you know since the loss of terry um yeah, we've been we've been struggling to find somebody you yeah. had somebody I who had you were lining up but didn't that didn't pan to. out unfortunately I, I asked alana to join us and uh she did great but she's not able to join us yeah all she's that pretty much busy in. yeah so so we are looking for i mean I, I i i don't know i'm looking probably for another another female to add to the podcast um 
I just think that we that we lack that perspective. But I, I guess I would I would any sort of perspective other than you know a bunch of white males would be would be great to add to the show. I think yes. that I think that that's what we, uh, a black we woman lack. would be great. You can be a token of two types. If, and if she's uh, a lesbian, even better. You know somebody who yes. you actually know somebody who fits that description, but I don't know if she's interested in coming on. <laughs> a black lesbian? I thought. I don't know. <laughs> One of the skeptics group in Denver. Well, there is a um, there is a black woman, um, but she's not a lesbian. Oh, okay. But I was she, incorrect. But she would be awesome. Yeah, she would. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I mean, I, I what I what I don't want, and and, and we don't. Because we don't need it as another white male perspective, and that's and all I'm trying to do is add diversity. And I, I almost feel like I, I'm saying, you know, um, yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess we're saying to our listeners, if uh, you're of the female persuasion and uh, enjoy the show and think maybe uh, you'd want to join us, um, well, we question your judgment, but we will welcome you. Yeah. Better yet, if you are <laughs> of the female persuasion and much of what we say irritates the hell out of you, come on here and set us right. Yeah, that would be good, too. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I mean, and transgendered would be good. I'm just looking for alternate perspectives. You know, somebody to add more um, to, add, to so add more to what not we talk a, about. So it's not a privileged white guy circled anymore. That, that, that's that's what I'm trying to avoid, is that I think, I think we have enough of that here. <laughs> There's enough privileged white guy circle jerking going on. Yeah, so if somebody is interested, reach out to us and let's have a come. Come join the circle jerk. There you go. Come join the circle jerk. Absolutely. All right. Have we done enough circle jerking for this evening? I think so. All right. Say goodnight, everyone. All right. Say goodnight, everybody. Good night. Another one in the can. Well, if you've made it this far, that's an hour of your time. You're never getting back. But the amateur skeptics appreciate you giving that hour to us. If you'd like to tell us how you felt about spending that hour with us, let us know at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. You could always roast us in a voicemail at 720-295-7785. The Amateur Skeptics Podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons share-alike, no-derivatives, 3.5 license. So, hand it to an unsuspecting friend, but please, just don't change the content. Intro music by Peter Cannell. Find more of Peter's music at soundcloud.com forward slash P-K-A-N-O-L. Exit music by OFM. Find more of their music at myspace.com forward slash OFMHQ. Artwork for the Amateur Skeptics by Sean Smith Ford. Copyright Shadow Knight Digital Portraiture.